In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may our attitude and spirit be like that of Samuel, who said, Speak, O Lord, your servant hears. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Throughout Scripture, it is often upon mountaintops that God chooses to reveal himself. The last time he did this, it was upon Mount Sinai, where he handed down the Ten Commandments. Through mist, fire, and smoke, God's very finger wrote down the commandments, which were not just merely rules for life, but also told of God's very heart. Today, as we heard earlier, on a Galilean mountain height, God once again hands down his word in the words of the Beatitudes. But these words are more than just flowery words, nor are they just simply rules for life. Nonetheless, these words tell us about the very heart of God. That is, the Beatitudes describe Christ. The Beatitudes describe Christ's life and death. His life and death was that of humility. Christ was often downcast, praying earnestly, often while, perhaps while sweating blood as he did in Gethsemane. He mourned and wept at the grave of Lazarus. And despite being God, he also became man, setting aside the glory of God and becoming man. Yet he sought God's righteousness in his earthly life, not even using his divine powers for selfish gain. Rather, Christ depended on his Father in heaven to provide all that was needful for him in this body and life. Thus, he refused the temptations of Satan, who tempted him to turn desert stones into morsels of bread. Christ's life was also that of compassion. When blind Bartimaeus begged Christ for mercy, Christ showed him mercy and restored his sight. Christ's motive for doing miracles like this was pure. He did not do it for selfish gain or monetary profit. He did this for the glory of God's name, that God and man would be reconciled from the division caused by sin. In this way, the Son of God brought peace. You could call him a peacemaker. And Christ's life and death was also that of suffering. The Pharisees and scribes could not stand to see their self-righteousness, that was not for self, self-righteousness challenged by Christ, true righteousness. Christ's righteousness was not that for selfish gain, and it stood in stark contrast to their faux righteousness. Their faux righteousness they only practiced to get lauded in public and maintain a high status in society. If they lived today, they would be posting their good works on social media to get likes and followers. These virtue signalers therefore killed Christ, as they had the prophets before him, to cancel him in a way, and to silence him for good, or so they'd hope. A life of humility, compassion, and suffering describes Christ. But it often doesn't describe us by ourselves. I personally often have to be reminded that I'm just a vicar. And when I'm ordained, God willing, I will have to be reminded of my place as just a pastor. And I'm sure the rest of us, rather than being humble, have to be reminded of our place. 
Furthermore, how many of us would only show mercy on the condition that we gain something from it? After all, it isn't fair that I worked hard for my stuff and this guy's going to mooch it off of me. What did he ever do to deserve this? We're inherently selfish. How many of us also would go out of our way to avoid suffering for the sake of God's name? We know how vicious the Pharisees of our day are. And the very mob rule that brought Jesus to his death yelling, crucify him, is the same kind of people that scare us. By ourselves, we are not blessed. But God be praised that outside of ourselves, or as the theologians would say, extra nos, we are blessed. We are blessed because through Christ in us, we have a life of humility, compassion, and suffering. The Beatitudes all describe Christ living in you. Our life in Christ is that of humility. In Christ, we are poor in spirit. In Christ, we mourn and are comforted. In Christ, we are meek. In Christ, we hunger and thirst for righteousness and are satisfied. We are these things because the buck doesn't stop with us. In Christ, we know our place as God's children, with his obedience instilled in us, and our hearts open to receive his love, and to love him and others in turn. Think, for example, to St. Joseph, husband of Mary, guardian of Jesus, and patron saint of Sicily. St. Joseph is not known for any major theological treatise. Scripture says nothing of him past Jesus' boyhood visit to the temple in Luke chapter 2. By the time Jesus' earthly ministry begins, Joseph is presumed to be dead. So St. Joseph could easily be regarded as a background character, a man hidden in his woodshop, busy at the lathe. After all, there are no churches in the Missouri Synod with the name St. Joseph's Lutheran Church. But give St. Joseph a second look, beloved. This hidden, humble man was more significant than meets the eye. As we'll hear on the morning of Christmas Eve, Joseph had every right and pretense to divorce Mary. Yet, with the urging of an angel, with the urging of God's very word, he not only took Mary as his wife, but also cared for her child, the Savior of the world, and protected him from the evil King Herod. Why did Joseph do these things? Well, Because as much as he was the earthly father of Jesus, he also knew that he was Jesus' child, in a paradoxical way, because he was instilled with Christ's humility. Our life in Christ is also that of compassion. We are merciful because it isn't our mercy that we dispense but God's mercy first given to us. This is why we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are pure in heart because it is not our purity, but the purity of Christ laid upon us through baptism into death on the cross. We are peacemakers or reconcilers because we have been reconciled with God first. God's compassion was evident and yet another famous saint, St. Patrick. Despite the ill treatment he received at the hands of his pagan enslavers, he in turn showed mercy 
that God had shown him. And through that, the gospel forever changed Ireland and gives us an occasion to drink a pint of Guinness. Our life in Christ is also that of suffering. Now, perhaps we may cringe and fear at the thought of suffering, but take heart. For it is not for our own frail and fleeting ideologies for which we suffer. We suffer for a message of love and compassion greater than ourselves. When we suffer, we suffer for the sake of the gospel, the same gospel in which Christ, the prophets before him, and the apostles and martyrs and all the saints who came after have proclaimed in word and deed. What is more, our suffering and the suffering of the saints before us are part of that great cloud of witnesses, the testimony greater than any one of us. This is evident even in the most ordinary of people, the milkman, the store owner, the farmer, or the postal worker. This was the case for Bob and Darlene Schmidt, Bob Rittmeyer, and Jaron Hansen, whom we remember on this occasion of the Feast of All Saints. All these saints who now rest in Christ were a light to their families, their community, and even to us here today. And so we remember these triumphant saints today, not because they overcame cancer or old age or dementia, but because they are victorious in Christ, resting by his side in heaven, having shared his love with us in various ways while they were still here. And so these Beatitudes describe Christ, but they also describe you, me, and all Christians, both those of us who here on earth remain for the time being and those of us who now rest in Christ in heaven. Therefore, rejoice and be glad, dear saints in Christ, who are still here. Great will your reward be in heaven, just as it is for the saints who have gone before you, because Christ has won it for you. And for that, I can confidently tell you what our Lord declared from the Galilean Mount. Blessed are you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.